0: Our passage today is going to come from Genesis chapter 37. We're going to read today from Genesis 37, 1 through 11. In the next few weeks in worship, we're going to be looking at familiar stories, Sunday school stories, stories you've heard since the time you were a child. But I need you to do me a favor. I need you to forget everything you've heard about this story. You've heard the story a thousand times. You know where it's going. But I want you to, this week in the next few weeks, to try to listen to these familiar stories with fresh ears. Read them with fresh eyes. Receive them with a fresh heart. And try to pay attention to what new Jesus may be saying to you and to me through these familiar stories that we've learned since we were a child. So today we're going to be reading from Genesis 37, the story of Joseph. And we're reading verses 1 through 11. Jacob settled in the land where his father had lived as an alien, the land of Canaan. This is the story of the family of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was shepherding the flock with his brothers. He was a helper to the sons of Bilhah and Zippah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report to them to their father. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other children because he was the son of his old age. And he made for him a long robe with sleeves. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him, more than all of his other brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Once Joseph had a dream, When he told it to his brothers, and, and when he told it, they hated him even more. He said to them, listen to this dream that I dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Suddenly, my sheaf rose and stood upright, and your sheaves gathered down around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to have dominion over us? So they hated him even more because of his dream and his words. He then had another dream and told it to his brothers, saying, Look, I have had another dream. The sun, the moon, and the eleven stars are bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and his brothers, his, father's rebu- his father rebuked him and said to them, What is this dream that you have had? Shall we indeed, I and your mother and your brothers, bow to the ground before you? So his brothers were jealous because of him. But his father kept the matter in his mind. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We see here in this story of Joseph a familiar story, a story that we have heard many times and we know quite well. One of my favorite questions, this is a question you've probably heard me ask before when I've preached in the Bible, when I've done a a sermon like the one to read in the next few weeks, is what is really happening here? What is really happening in this text? What is the point of the story? What is God showing? What are we to understand or to take away from the passage that we've read? It's important for us when we read the Bible to always read the Bible with fresh eyes, with new eyes, to try to pay attention to what is happening. Because sometimes if we're not careful, we can hear the same thing over and not really pay attention to what's happening. The Bible is a beautiful 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 gift from God. It's one of God's greatest gifts to us. But we need to, when we read the Bible, really, truly pay attention, listen, receive, seek to understand what God wants to say to us through his word. And that's one of the beautiful things about the Bible. I heard somebody say this one time about the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is so simple a child can memorize it, but so complex the theologian cannot understand it. Well, that story's like Joseph. You've heard this story a thousand times, haven't you? You know this story. You know where today's text is going. You know all these things. Over the next few weeks, the stories you're going to hear are stories you know since you were this little. Joseph, feeding of the 5,000, Zacchaeus, Esther. All of these stories that are so familiar. But what I want to do is I want us in these next few weeks to really dig down. And look and see what is actually happening here. What is the actual point and purpose of this story? And what is God trying to tell to us through this story we've heard so often? So today, we have Joseph. Now, Joseph, like many of the other stories we're going to read these next few weeks, you may know more of Joseph from pop culture than you do from what Scripture says. Because we've heard this story a thousand times. In fact, most of us, when we think of Joseph and his coat, what are the two things you probably think of? First, we think of Joseph, Joseph and the amazing technical dream coat, coat, don't we? We think of that old Broadway musical. You've heard the song. In fact, did, 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 we, did we figure out that, the song I was thinking about? Huh? Alan, is, um, is any dream we'll do in Joseph? Any dream we'll do? Is that the name of the song that's in Joseph that we've heard a million times? There's a big song in this play that I can't think of. Any little dream will do, any dream will do. Am I wrong? Alan looks at me confusingly. So if Alan doesn't know, then I sure don't know. Anyway, (laughs) I don't even know the words to the musical. And I know about the musical. Okay? So we have all heard of Joseph in the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Every little theater in Mississippi's done it. Every high school play has done it. You know the story. You know a little bit about what it looks. Or you might have heard Dolly's song. You know, Dolly wrote a song about it. You know, we know this story from those type things. But what's so interesting, when you dig into the Scriptures, you find things that you, that you may or may not have understood or you may not, may or may not have seen. For instance, I read this passage today from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible, the NRSV. The reason why I use the NRSV and why I preach from it is that one of my customs when I move to a church is I preach from whatever is the most common Bible in the church. And I have a very complicated system how I determine that, using a lot of algorithms and spreadsheets. I see what the Pew Bible is. Whatever the pew Bible is, that's the Bible I preach from, because I assume that's probably the most common Bible. So when I was in the Delta, I preached from the NRSV. When I was at Coy, I preached from the NIV. When I was at Ripley, NRSV. Asbury didn't have pews, so I just hopped all over the place down there. And here, I preached from the NRSV. So when we read the text, did you notice how Joseph's coat was described? Anything jump out to you or see or... Didn't see that you expected to see or not see? His coat was described in this way. He loved Joseph more than any of of the children. He made for him a long robe with sleeves. No mention of a coat that was on fire, was it? Here's why. The Hebrew word that's used there is one that we don't really have a perfect English word for. So, your, so any of your new versions of Scripture, NRSV, NIV, Holman, ESV, CEB, New Living, any modern version of the Bible which is what most of our churches use, is going to have gone back to the original Greek and Hebrew manuscripts. The way we got the King James was the original Bible was in Hebrew and Greek. Old Testament Hebrew, New Testament Greek. The Hebrew and Greek were then translated in the third century to the Greek Septuagint. That was a Greek translation of the entire Bible. That Greek translation was then translated into Latin, which was the Latin Vulgate, The Latin Vulgate was the foundation for every Western Bible. That Latin Vulgate was then translated into English, and that was the King James. So the King James came from the Latin Vulgate, which came from the Greek Septuagint. So that's why the King James will sound more Old English, have more flowery language, because it's the English translation of that text. There is no perfect word in English to translate from what kind of coat Joseph had. So it may have had lots of colors. Entirely possible. We don't know. It was, at the very least, richly embroidered and had a lot of embroidery on it. Worst case scenario. Okay? Embroidery's not cheap nowadays. You couldn't go to the seamstress in the middle of nowhere in Israel and get something embroidered because there was no seamstress. So can you imagine how expensive this robe would have been if it was long and flowing, maybe had a lot of colors to it? The point of the story that we see from Joseph wasn't that he had a really pretty coat. The point was this. You may wonder who your mom and dad's favorite was. Joseph's brothers weren't weren't wondering who the favorite was. They knew it was Joseph. They liked Joseph more than the rest of them. And when you read Joseph, you see that this young man had to him a real spirit of humility, didn't he? No! He said, hey guys, I had this awesome dream. And in my awesome dream, y'all all bowed down and worship me. That's cool, right? And he went to his dad and said, hey dad, man, I had this great dream. Like... Mama and you and all my brothers, y'all all bow down and worship me. That's a cool dream, right? Like, our boy Joseph with his fancy coat needed to dial it down about seven notches. Like, he knew he was hot stuff. He was the kid whose parents gave him the fancy car on the birthday and he's in the parking lot of the school doing wheelies. He knew he was Mr. Cool, he knew he was it. And as you can see, his brothers loved that about him, didn't he? They threw him in a well, guys. Like, let's trace the story from here. So Joseph was like, hey, guys, I'm awesome. I'm going to one day, I'm going to be king. Y'all going to worship me? It's going to be great. So they said, hey, um, let's kill this guy, which is what they did back then. Then Judah said, no, let's not kill him Let's just throw him down a well. How about that? So they threw him down a well. And eventually, a caravan came through. They fished him out the well, sold him to the caravan. The caravan went to Egypt. In Egypt, he was sold as a slave to Potiphar. Potiphar's wife accused him of indiscretion. He was thrown in prison. Eventually in prison, there were two people there, and they were having dreams. Joseph interpreted their dreams until one of them, you're going, to get out of, you're going to get out of prison, you're going to get your old position with Pharaoh back. That's what happens. The guy says, Joseph, my man, I'm never going to forget this. As soon as I get out, I'm telling Pharaoh about you. The guy got out. He promptly forgot about Joseph and went about his life. Until eventually, Pharaoh was having dreams that he couldn't interpret. And the guy says, oh, wait, I know a guy. I know a guy. Gets Joseph out of prison. Joseph interprets the dream. The dream is basically Egypt's going to have seven years of abundance and then seven years of famine. So Pharaoh puts Joseph over everything. And in the seven years of abundance, Egypt stores it up. And finally the famine comes and Eero, Egypt has enough food, not just for themselves, but for all of the world. And what so happens at that point are Joseph's 12 brothers. I'm sorry, 10, 10 other brothers. who thought he was dead. They come back to Egypt, and they get an audience with the man who's second in command of all of Egypt, Pharaoh's number two. As a sign of respect to Pharaoh's number two, they bow down before him, just as Joseph's dream forecasted. We see in Joseph an amazing story. The point of Joseph hitting the coat. The coat's cool, but that's not the point. The point's this. When you read the story of Joseph, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot redemptive about him, is there? In fact, if you read the Old Testament, particularly the accounts in Genesis, the heroes of faith that we love so much, there's not much redemptive about them. Moses killed a guy. I mean, like, let's not pretend like the Old Testament saints were perfect. We see in the Old Testament, and then in the New Testament, that God doesn't just use perfect people. But in fact, sometimes God will use the most imperfect person to show that it's God's power and God's grace and God's mercy that does it. He will use broken and imperfect people so that God will get the credit for the victory. There's a story I once read about a guy who never read the Bible. And his friend had him read the Bible. And he read the Bible and he finished reading all of it. And the man said, What'd you think? He said, Well, when I read this book, it seems like everybody in this book is messed up except for one guy. Yeah, that's right. Everybody's messed up for one guy. And that one guy's named Jesus. So we see in Joseph that God uses an imperfect person, an arrogant, prideful, youthful individual. And he uses Joseph to save his people. Because what happens? Joseph goes to Egypt, and the patriarchs, the other ten, they're in Egypt, and the other eleven, they're in Egypt starving. There's no food. And if Joseph, if Joseph had not been number two in Egypt, the promise would have ended, because the family would have starved to death. The point of Joseph's story is Genesis fifty twenty. Genesis 50.20 says, What man intended for evil, God intended for good. At no point during Joseph's story up to this point does it look like anything good could come out of this. An arrogant young man, angry brothers, aloof father. Nothing in this seems like it's the work of God. And at no point in Joseph's story do do we think we see God's hand at work. But then what we see is that God was working in the midst of all of this to place Joseph in second in command so that the people would be saved. And the salvation of the people did not just save the people. But when you read the Old Testament, you know what the point of the Jewish people was in the Old Testament? To be the people for whom the Messiah would come. Without them, there was no Jesus. Jesus came through the people. If the people had ended, if the people had starved, the people had died, there would be no Jesus. That was their purpose, was to be the people through whom Jesus would come. Joseph didn't just save Israel, but through Joseph, God saved me and you. Through his position and through his power, The promise was kept alive. God was at work in a difficult situation, in a situation where evil men were acting evil to bring forth something good. Part of our problem in trials, in tragedy, in pain, in evil, is that we can only see the nose in front of our face. We don't always see what God's doing. We don't always see how God is at work. God's plan is often messy and complicated and not the way that we would have designed it. But God's plan is to always bring good out of evil. God's plan is to always bring redemption out of brokenness. God's plan is to always bring restoration from what sin has taken we see this in Joseph. God's plan the entire time was to place Joseph second in command to save the people, to save the promise. And then through saving Joseph, saving the people, saving the promise, we save the path through which Jesus was come, would come. We see God placed him there for that purpose. There are no accidents with God. We may not understand it. It may not make sense. We may not even like it. We may be mad at God's plan. We may be mad at what God's doing. We may not understand it. We may not want it. But the place in your life right now, that doesn't make a lick of sense, the place in your life right now, when at night you lay your head on your pillow and say, God, what in the world are you doing? The place in your life that's robbing your sleep Robbing your peace, robbing your joy. If we allow the Holy Spirit to be at work, God's word promises us that He will bring something good out of it. When we don't know what the future holds, we trust the one who holds the future. When we don't know what the future holds, We trust the one who holds the future. What man intended for evil, God intended for good. And one other thing real quick about this story, one of the things I believe most assuredly and most strongly about the Bible is that it all points to Jesus. And if we will allow it to, there's not a single part of this book there's not a single part of this holy text. There's not a single part of sacred scripture that if we will not allow, God will not point us to Jesus in this. So let's see what we see in Joseph. In Joseph, we see Joseph. We see the people of Israel. Joseph's second in command. The people of Israel, the 11 brothers, to flee the danger of the famine. They flee the promised land, and they go to Egypt. And in Egypt, they find safety. They find protection. They find all they need. Then eventually God calls the people out of Egypt back to the promised land. So the people of Israel in Genesis and Exodus, the people of Israel flee danger in the promised land. They go to Egypt for safety. And at the right time, they leave Egypt to return back to the promised land. Is there anyone else in the Bible? who, for safety, fled the promised land to Egypt and then at the right time returned back home. Jesus. Every word is about Jesus. And every story points us to Jesus. In the story of Joseph, in the protection of Israel, and their eventual return through the the Exodus, we see a foreshadowing of what God is going to do in the person of Jesus Christ. This book was given that we may know the truth of God, know the completeness of God's plan, and know all the glory that we see through Jesus Christ. Through Joseph, we see God save his people plan didn't always make sense. We see it now. But I'm sure Joseph, when he was throwing the bo- uh, bottom in the well, wasn't thinking, Hmm, how is God going to use my experience here in this well to further his plan and save his people? No, he was thinking, guys, not cool. You threw me in a well. Not cool, guys. Stop it. He didn't understand at that moment what God was doing. But God had a plan, and that plan was to save his people. What men intended for evil, God intended for good. When we don't understand what's going on, we don't understand what the future holds, we can rest easy because we can trust the one who holds the future. We thank God for Joseph and for the provision of God that we can see through his story. Let's pray.